Please turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. John chapter 16, and I'll read verses 12 through 15. Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, and he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, and therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. We've been considering in our recent sermons a most important question, which is, what is the heart of Jesus Toward us who are his disciples as he is exalted into heaven to the right hand of God and we are still here below in this world of sin and much trouble. Has his heart toward us changed in any way now that he has been glorified with God the Father in heaven? And we've begun to find from these words of Jesus in this upper room as he looked forward to his return into the glory of heaven, that his heart toward us has not changed in any way, and that his love and affection for us is eternal and unchanging. John tells us in chapter 13 and verse 1 that as Jesus looked forward to his return to the Father in heaven, John tells us having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus makes it clear in this discourse that a very great part of his continuing love for us will be the gift of his Holy Spirit. That when he departs to the Father, he will not leave us as orphans. He will come to us. And he will come to us in another person, in another helper, the Holy Spirit, whom he will send to take up his place and his ministry among us. And so the importance of the Holy Spirit as the great token of the love of Jesus continuing to us is why we find ourselves in this passage here in John chapter 16 where Jesus makes these promises concerning the Holy Spirit. Last day, we, last Lord's Day, <clears throat> we considered the first part here of chapter, of verse 13 where Jesus says that when he comes, he, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For the third time in this discourse, Jesus here calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth because he is the spirit who inspired the truth of the Bible and he is the spirit who knows all truth. The Bible is the truth, and every word that is written in the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is truth. David said in Psalm 119 that the sum of thy word is truth. 
And thy law and thy commandments are truth. And Jesus said, thy word is truth. All scripture is truth, inspired by the spirit of truth. And when Jesus says here to his disciples on that last night, he will guide you into all the truth, we said that this has special application to the apostles in the writing of the New Testament scriptures. It is really much the same as what Jesus said back in chapter 14 and verse 26, where he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit will come and bring to the minds of the apostles everything that Jesus has said in the Gospels, and the Spirit will teach them all things and guide them into all of the truth as they write the rest of the New Testament Scripture. They did not have the New Testament when Jesus spoke these words. They did not have the Gospels. But the Holy Spirit will come and bring to their remembrance everything, and they will write the New Testament Scripture. But then we also said that these words here, he will guide you into all the truth. They have a continuing application to us as believers in the continuing ministry of the Holy Spirit, in what we call the illumination of the Holy Spirit, in which the Holy Spirit will come to believers and give us a true understanding of the Word of God. The word guide here literally means to lead one along a pathway. This is what the Spirit does for believers. He leads us along a pathway into the truth found in the Scriptures. The Bible is inspired by the infinite mind of the Holy Spirit. By the Spirit of God who knows all things, the infinite Holy Spirit has written the words of the Bible. And here we are, as weak men and women with very small and finite and limited minds. And so how shall we who have such finite minds even begin to penetrate and understand the words given to us by the infinite mind of God? the deep things of God found in the Scripture, the answer is given in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will come and lead us and guide us, instruct us in all the truth. It is is as if we were standing before a vast and beautiful landscape called the truth, the land of truth. And this land of truth stretched over the horizon farther than anyone could possibly see. And there were very high mountain peaks that reached into the heavens and deep valleys and forests, many forests and plains in this landscape. How do we even begin to enter into it? 
Where do we start and how do we proceed through this land of truth? We do not know the way. We cannot find it ourselves. We need a guide. We need one who will come and take us by the hand and lead us into this land of truth. And this is what Jesus is promising all believers in this word of God here. That the Holy Spirit will come, take us by the hand and guide us along the way into all the truth that we need to know in the Holy Scripture. He will guide you into all the truth. The Spirit who inspired the apostles to write the truth, the same Holy Spirit now comes and guides believers into an understanding of the truth. This is what we call the illumination of the Holy Spirit, a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in which he opens the minds of believers so that we understand the word of God as we should. And it is not a one-time work of the Holy Spirit in conversion, but it is a continuing work of the Holy Spirit throughout all of life as he comes and guides us continually, day by day, and more and more, and deeper and deeper into the knowledge of God that is revealed to us in the Scripture. This morning we'll complete our study in verse 13. This evening, Lord willing, we'll look at verses 14 and 15. But before we proceed further into verse 13, there are several applications that I'll make at this point in regard to what we've already learned And the first is, the first thing we see here in the beginning of verse 13 is the necessity of the illumination of the Holy Spirit for believers. The necessity of this continuing work of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you, he says, into all the truth. The illumination of the Holy Spirit. It is not an option. It is not an extra in the Christian life, as if we can understand the scriptures properly by our own abilities and from our own minds. But we are, even as believers, always, utterly, continually in dependence upon this guidance of the Holy Spirit into the truth. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples here in verses 12 and 13. He told them in verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. By various weaknesses, by circumstances that they were in, they were not able to receive any more truth from Jesus at that time. What is the remedy? What is the remedy to their inability? Is it found in anything from themselves, anything that they will do? Is it found in any program that they must create? No. The only remedy to their inability 
is found in the very next thing that Jesus says in verse 13. But he, when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all the truth. Their weaknesses, their inabilities to bear any more word from Jesus, to understand any more of his truth, all of that will become will be overcome only by the continuing ministry of the Holy Spirit to them. And the same thing is true for us today. That the spiritual things of the gospel can only be understood by the light and the power and the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, he said, but a natural man, a natural man who does not have the Holy Spirit. He cannot understand the things of the Spirit of God because they are spiritually appraised. They are only understood by the guidance and the light of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we read so often in Psalm 119, for example, where David prays, open my eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your law. And he cries, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes and I shall observe it to the end. What he is praying for, even as a believer, is for the continuing ministry of the Holy Spirit to give him understanding in the word of God. And so this work of the Holy Spirit is a necessity for us, not just in the beginning of the Christian life, in our conversion, but it is an absolute necessity throughout our entire Christian experience, and it is something that we should always be praying for. Lord Jesus, send me the Holy Spirit that he might guide me further into the knowledge of all the truth. A second thing we should say here from verse 13 is that Jesus gives here a certain promise, a very certain and sure promise when he says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He is speaking a promise. This is one of God's divine I wills. This is what God will do. This is what God the Holy Spirit will do. He will guide you into all the truth. And so there is this certainty here. Jesus does not say that he may possibly guide you into all the truth. Or he could guide you into the truth. He says he will guide you. There is certainty here. He will guide you into all the truth as a Christian, into everything that you need to know for God's glory, for the good of his church, and for your salvation. All believers have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this is one of the great works of the Holy Spirit as he continues to abide and dwell in us, that he guides us into all the truth. This is what John said in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27. He said, as for you, 
the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, he abides, he continues in you. And so you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. We have our human duties to perform as believers. We must be diligent in our hearing of the word, in our reading of the word. We must not grieve the Holy Spirit by unrepentant sin. We must continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to teach us and illuminate our minds. And as we do his will, Jesus gives us this most certain promise that the Holy Spirit will come and guide us into all the truth. It is certain. It is a sure promise of Jesus. The third thing we say here this morning is, that we are therefore responsible to rightly understand the truth of the scripture. This is what's implied in the promise. Because if the Holy Spirit is promised, and if the promise is certain that the Holy Spirit will come and guide us as believers into all the truth, then we must be responsible to know the truth as we should and to walk uprightly in it. We cannot claim ignorance of important truths of the Bible. A Christian cannot say, I do not know, I do not understand these things that are necessary for God's glory, for the good of the church, and for their own salvation. Sometimes, perhaps we might even say very often, Christians do this. They use ignorance as a cover for not knowing and not doing what they ought to do. Whatever doctrine or practice it might be, they say, well, we do not know. Or we have never read that, or we did not understand that. I understand there's perhaps jots and tittles in the Bible somewhere where we cannot understand things as clearly as we wish we could, yes, but I am talking about important and central things of the Bible. You do not understand? How can this possibly be when you say that you are a Christian, when someone says, I am a Christian, and the Holy Spirit dwells in me, but the Spirit of truth has not taught you these things? The Holy Spirit is promised to guide you into all the truth. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29, he said this, the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things revealed, belong to us and to our children, to, the, to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. There are secret things. There are secret things that belong to the Lord. 
But those secret things that belong to the Lord are the things that are not revealed to us in the Scripture. But the things that are revealed to us in the Scripture, we are responsible to understand and to know them by the guidance of the Holy Spirit who will guide us into all the truth. We have no excuse in this matter. These things belong to us and we should know them for our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this law. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, he said, all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is breathed out of his mouth. Not parts of scripture breathed out of his mouth, but all scripture and the same Holy Spirit who breathed all of that scripture is able to guide us into all the truth of the scripture that he has written. And so... Whatever is revealed to us, we are responsible to know because every believer has this promise of the Holy Spirit to guide us into all the truth. A fourth application, the last one as we begin this morning, is that the Spirit instructs the minds of believers. That's why he's called the Spirit of Truth. Jesus says he will guide you into all the truth. When we speak of truth, we are speaking of what involves the mind. We are speaking of the understanding, of knowledge and the intellect. We are, we are, we have faculties in our souls. We may think of ourselves, the faculties of our souls as being a mind and emotion and wills. We, we have mind by which we understand things. We have affections by which we rejoice over things and then we have the will by which we choose which way to go and how to live. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth because he takes the objective truth of the scripture and he instructs our minds in the truth and he gives us understanding into the truth of the glory and the wonder of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And when the truth grips our minds, then our affections, our emotions will follow in joy and peace in believing in the gospel. Truth, truth is objective and truth is outside of ourselves. Emotions are subjective and emotions are inside of ourselves. And emotions follow the truth as it is revealed to us. And we have wonder, love, and praise in our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not opposed to emotions and affections. We would not advocate a cold, dead, barren, lifeless form of Christianity. But the Holy Spirit is an intelligent and all-knowing being, and he communicates truth to the mind. He's the spirit of truth who guides us into all the truth. The Holy Spirit is not called the spirit of the emotions. He is not called the spirit of the passions. He is not the spirit who comes to stir up some kind of a heightened emotional state that is not his primary work. That is not his work to come and stir up a frenzy 
in the church, a wild, chaotic frenzy. No, he is the spirit of truth. And he applies the truth to the mind. And then comes the emotion. This is what we always need. We need the Holy Spirit to come and apply the word of God afresh, communicated with his power to our souls to give life and grace and to create love and joy and rejoicing in the things of the gospel. There is much emotion in the Christian life. We see it when sinners are converted to Christ. When the light of Christ dawns upon our darkened minds and we are set free from sin and its power, guilt, bondage, that creates joy and rejoicing in the Christian life. It is the spontaneous response of the heart This is what we see in Pisidian Antioch in Acts chapter 13. When the gospel first came to the Gentiles there, we read this, that they received the word of the Lord. That means the Holy Spirit came and brought the word, the truth of the Lord to them. And then we read this. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's what took place. The Holy Spirit of truth came and guided them into the truth of the gospel. And then there was joy in believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And this is the experience of every believer. You believe in him, Peter said, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Many such passages in the New Testament that speak of the emotions of the believer, but they are never emotions without the truth. And they are never emotions that are separated from the truth, but they are always emotions that are derived from the truth as the truth of the gospel comes to us under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth and he will guide you into all the truth. So as we consider, continue our study this morning in verse 13, the first thing that we want to see is the divine origin of the scripture. We are asking the question here, where does the scripture actually originate from? Where does the word of God actually come from? And we find the answer in the rest of verse 13, where Jesus says, for he, the spirit, he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. When Jesus said in, verse, in the middle of the verse there that he will not speak on his own initiative, Jesus said the same thing here that he said in regard to himself back in John chapter 12 and verse 29, where Jesus said, for I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who has sent me has given me commandment what to say and what to speak. 
And Jesus said in John 7 and verse 16, he said, my teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. John 8 and verse 38, he said, I speak things which I have seen with my father. So what was true of Jesus is here true of the Holy Spirit as well, that neither one of them ever spoke independently or apart from separated from the other person's of the Trinity. Jesus is telling his disciples here that when the Holy Spirit comes and he guides you into all the truth that you will write in the Gospels and in the New Testament scriptures, the Holy Spirit will not come with some new and novel doctrine. He will not speak on his own initiative. He will come and he will speak in unity with the other persons of the Trinity. And so the verse shows us the perfect union, uni, unity of the three persons of the Trinity in the one God. There is always this harmony, this agreement with one another in everything that is said, in everything that is done. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three distinct persons, but always in perfect unity in God. The Son and the Spirit will never speak on their own initiative without the full agreement with the Father. And now Jesus brings us into the source of all the truth of the Scripture that the Spirit will speak. He says at the end of verse 13, he says, But whatever he hears, he will speak. And it is implied that whatever he hears is what he will hear, what the Spirit will hear from the Father and the Son. We might think of this as what is sometimes called an inner Trinitarian council, in which the three persons of the Trinity are the only ones present, and there is this conversation, this council that takes place among the persons of the Trinity. We find the most Important, perhaps, the most memorable one found in Genesis chapter 1 in verse 26 where we read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let us, plural. So there is this counsel among the three persons of the Trinity. The Father speaking with the Son and the Spirit. The Son speaking with the Father and the Spirit out of this inner Trinitarian council. The Holy Spirit hears The Holy Spirit hears the truth that is spoken in this council. As the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are there. He is there. The Holy Spirit is there because he is one of the divine persons, the third person of the Trinity, and he hears and he knows everything that is being said by the Father, the Son. And whatever he hears, Jesus said, From the Father and the Son, whatever he is commissioned to come and give to us, he will speak. Which is what the guidance of the Holy Spirit here is all about. Whatever he hears, he will speak. A most astonishing truth here that is found. That the scriptures have their divine origin from the very throne of God. And from within, the three persons of the Blessed Trinity, the Holy Spirit, 
hears things. And then he brings those things and speaks them. And they come to us through the apostles in the New Testament scripture. <clears throat> some of the commentators, I will just mention briefly, some of the commentators, they say that when Jesus says here of the Holy Spirit, whatever he hears, that it's figurative. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't really hear anything. I understand he doesn't have ears. Uh, but how, how, how does anyone know it's not figurative? How, do, how does anyone know it's not literal? How does anyone know it's figurative? He hears. I see no reason to assume that there's no conversation among the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in which there are actual words being spoken and the Holy Spirit hears. We've never been there. I take Jesus at his word when he says he hears, and whatever he hears, he will speak to you. There's a couple of important verses in this regard. We'll turn to them. First Peter chapter one. I'm sorry, second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one and verse. 20 and 21. Verse 20. And Peter said, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. I'm in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20 and 21. 2 Peter chapter 1. And verse 20 and 21. Verse 20. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved (coughs) by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. He is speaking about the what we call the inspiration of Scripture, the prophecy of Scripture, in verse 20. And he says that this prophecy of Scripture is always made by men being moved by the Holy Spirit. The word moved means to be carried along. The same kind of idea as being guided. He will guide you into all the truth. So the words that are sent to them by the Holy Spirit are from God. So he says at the end of verse 21, they spoke from God. That's what happens in Holy Scripture. That the Holy Spirit hears, and what he hears from heaven, he inspires men, he moves them to write those words down so that what they write is spoken from God. God is the origin of all Scripture. That's why we often hear the prophets in the Old Testament. They would say, thus says the Lord. Or they would say, the word of the Lord came to me because they knew that they were under this inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was moving them to speak the words that came from God. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God. God breathed, God breathed out of his mouth the words of holy scripture. 
Another important passage is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two, verse six through 10. I'll read. Paul says, yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom how we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined beforehand before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, and all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Now Paul here is speaking about the wisdom of God as it is seen in the cross of Jesus Christ for our salvation. The world cannot recognize this wisdom because it is beyond human understanding and it is a wisdom that has never entered into the minds of men. But to us, he says, to us as the apostles, and through the apostles to us who believe, God has revealed this wisdom of the cross through the Holy Spirit. And in verse 10, the Holy Spirit, we see the deity of the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit, he says, searches all things, the infinite depths of God in heaven. The infinity of God, the Holy Spirit searches and knows all the things of God. And he is able to reveal them to us, as he says in the beginning of verse 10. And in verse 9, things which no human eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, things that no human heart has ever comprehended. These are the things that the Holy Spirit knows from the deep things of God and reveals them to us. Then we read in verses 12 and 13. Or verse 11, he says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. There is no one who can possibly know the thoughts of God except the spirit of God who brings these things to us. Verses 12 and 13. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And so the apostle here speaks As an apostle, and he says that the words that he preaches, the words that he writes, they are words that are taught to him 
by the Holy Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. In verse 13, in those taught by the Spirit. That's what the gospel is. The word of God through the apostles taught by the Holy Spirit. The same thing that Jesus said in John 16 and verse 13. He will guide you into all the truth. Whatever he hears in heaven. In all the deep things of God that he searches out. And as he knows the thoughts of the Father and the Son. He will speak those things to the apostles and reveal them. And through the apostles in the written word of scripture. We will come to know these spiritual truths. We turn back to the gospel of John chapter 16. And back in John chapter 16 and verse 13, this is what Jesus is teaching us here, the divine origin of the scripture. That the words, all all the words of the Bible come to us from heaven. The spirit of truth, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own initiative. Whatever he hears from the Father and from the Son, in all the deep things of God, he will speak to you in the inspiration of the Scripture. Some men have said they did not, they, they did not like certain things which they find in the letters of the apostles in the New Testament. And so they supposed that the writings of the apostles were in some way contrary to the teaching of Jesus. And they said, what we need to do is we need to get back to the real Jesus. And so we need to go to the Gospels, the four Gospels, because in the four Gospels, there's the only place that we find the word of Jesus. And there's the only place that we can know the truth of who Jesus really is. But this verse shows us the falsehood of such a view. Because everything that the apostles spoke came from Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will send the Spirit to you. And when he comes to you, he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears from me and from the Father, he will speak to you. And so the inspired words of the apostles, Paul and James, John and Peter, all of the apostles in the New Testament, they speak to us truth that is no less from Jesus than anything that he ever said in the four Gospels. Then he says at the end of verse 13, and he will disclose to you what is to come, which we may Think of the future events of the kingdom of God in this world in which we live. The apostles often spoke as prophets of things to come, the destruction of Jerusalem, the scattering of the Jewish people, the gospel going to the Gentiles, to the ends of the world, all of the trials and tribulations of the church, the second coming of Christ, the day of judgment, the world which is to come, 
We find so much of this in passages such as Matthew chapter 24, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and the book of Revelation, the book of the Revelation, the Holy Spirit who knows all things, all things of the future. He comes and he discloses those things to the apostles of what is to come. Verse 13 is all about truth. I close with two applications of what we've learned from verse 13. Verse 13 is all about truth. So we ask the question, where can we find truth? Truth concerning the most important things of life. Truth concerning the world in which we live. Where can we find the truth of the creation of this world and how it came into being? Where can we find the truth of the human race and how did we come to be here? Why is it that we are so vastly superior and exalted so far above all the other creatures of the creation? Who are we as men and women? But what has happened to us? And why is there so much evil in the world? And why is there death and the end of life in this world? What is the truth concerning morality? And what is right and wrong? And who can tell me? And who has the right to even tell me such things? What is the meaning of life? Where are we going? And what is the end that we are coming all to? These are the great questions of life. We need truth in regard to these things. Every human soul longs to know the truth of these things. But no human mind can ever discover them. No philosopher can ever Find the truth to these questions. Where can we find the truth? And the answer, the only answer, is that we can find the truth to all these questions in only one place, which is the Bible, which is the book inspired by the Holy Spirit. The word is the truth concerning all of these things. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, he spoke of the world often. And when he used the term, the world, he meant the world that is in darkness, spiritual darkness. But here in verse 13, he speaks of heaven. And what he hears, what the Spirit hears from the Father, the Son, he speaks of heaven where the Holy Spirit, the three persons of the Trinity dwell. And there is this very great distinction between heaven and this world. This world is filled with so many lies because it is under the power of the evil one who is the father of lies. And we see so much of it today in the world in which we live with the internet and with the social media. So many lies are propagated 
I do not say that everything in the world is a lie. And I am not saying that everything on the internet is a lie. No. There is truth there. But the more men speak, the more men speak from their own minds, the more the world is filled with its lies. But here in this verse, heaven is a place of truth. The truth of the Father and the Son and what the Holy Spirit hears. And the astonishing thing, work of the Holy Spirit here in verse 13, is that the Holy Spirit brings the truth of heaven down into this world of lies and inspires it and writes it in the Holy Scripture. This is what the world needs, the truth of the Bible. It is the only place where we can find the truth to the great questions of life. People talk today about a rise in mental health problems. <clears throat> There's a rise in mental illness. If you look it up on Google, you will find that they attribute it to the internet and to social media. They may attribute it to other things. Those are only means to the rise in mental illness. The real cause of mental illness, the real cause of the rise in mental illness is the continuing rejection of the truth of the Bible in the world we live in. The more men reject the word of God, the more there will be a rise in mental illness. Because people have no truth and when they have no truth, they have no understanding of their own existence and what they are meant to be here for and how they are to live. And the more they reject the truth, the further they go into the darkness of the lies and the power of the evil one and his kingdom. As the world, as we see the world around us sinking further into darkness and lies, let us remember, let us rejoice as Christians that we know what the truth is in the scripture. But let us not keep it to ourselves because it is the only light in the dark world. Let us share it with others. Let us make the most of every opportunity we have to witness to the truth of the gospel as it is in Jesus Christ. It is the only way of deliverance. It is the only way of peace and joy and hope. And then we close with a second application this morning, which is what we see here is the divine authority of Scripture, the divine origin of Scripture that it comes from God, implies the divine authority of Scripture. Because God speaks in the Scripture. 
And there is no higher authority than God himself. Sometimes we we read in the Bible that God said something. And then in another place in the Bible, we read that the scripture said, and it is the very same thing. Because God speaks in the scripture. And in the scripture, we have the voice and the word of the living God. And there is no higher authority in all the universe than God. So when he speaks, we must listen. And when he speaks, we must believe all that he says. And when he speaks, we must obey all of his commandments and all of his word. So my friend, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, what you need is you need the truth. You need the truth of the word of God. You need the truth of who you are as an image bearer of God. You need to understand the truth of your fallen nature. You need to understand the power, the guilt of sin and how evil it is in the sight of God. You need to understand that you are headed for a day of judgment. And the only way for you to be prepared for that great day to come is to repent of your sin and come to Jesus and find mercy and forgiveness in him. You need the truth of the Bible. And you have a Bible right in front of you this morning. What an amazing thing. I commend to you the Bible. And I urge you to go home and read the Bible and search the Bible And day after day to cry out to Jesus to open your eyes to understand the truth of the Bible. So that you might know him who is the only way, the only truth, the only life. And the only way back to God the Father in heaven. He has promised you that if you seek him with all your heart, he will let you find him. If you seek after him with all your heart... He will let you find him. And he has promised that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so may those promises be proven true for you. You need the truth. You need the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to pray over the Bible until God makes the scriptures real and powerful to your own soul and brings you to a saving faith and rest in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, gracious God, we thank you. We bless you for the holy scriptures and the blessed truth that you have so graciously given to us. O Lord, we pray that you would send the Holy Spirit and fulfill your promise day by day in each one of us to guide us more and more into all the truth. 
We do pray for those who do not know Jesus. May you help them to read the Bible, to hear the word, and to find the great Savior in the scriptures. Lord, we ask that you would have mercy upon us. Bless your word to us now. In Jesus' name, amen.